0: everyone. This is Amanda Borchel-Dan. And I'm Jessica Steinberg. Your host for Times Will Tell. A weekly podcast from the Times of Israel. Hey, Jess. Hey, Amanda. Good to see you. What do you have for us this week? On this week's Times Will Tell, we have special guest Donna Stern, the founder and outgoing director of Yes Studios, the Israeli production channel that has brought us Fauda, Stiesel, and so many other great shows. Can't wait to hear all about this powerful Israeli woman. Donna, hello. Hi. It is very good to have you here with us.
1: Uh, Thank you for having
0: me. So, of course, the question that everyone's asking you is, what are you doing next? But that is not what I'm going to ask you. I want to know what are you watching these days? That's what I really want to know.
1: So I'm actually watching the squid games for the second time. Is that weird?
0: Wow. The second time I could barely get through the first time. Okay. I'm impressed.
1: But, um, yeah, because I realized there were so many little kind of Easter eggs, um, scattered around the show, which we totally, or at least I totally missed, uh, watching it for the first time and having read and, um, kind of explored the genesis of the show. I, I realized that, uh, you know, better go back and rewatch it to get the full effect.
0: Do you watch it alone? Do you, are you able to watch it alone? Do you need someone next to you?
1: No, no, I I totally watch it alone.
0: Um, yeah, no, I've, I've... at work because it's your work.
1: <laughs> well, no, at night, and then <laughs> and then I have a really hard time falling asleep. Like that, that's you know, that's a lot to handle. Oh
0: my goodness. Okay, wow. I'm I did not expect that answer.
1: But but I can't say what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, but I can't say what I'm looking forward to, which actually um. We'll drop uh, tomorrow when we're taping this, but, you know, to everyone's viewing pleasure will be available. Um, it's actually a documentary short called Camp Confidential, uh, created by my very good Ooh. friends, uh, Daniel Sivan and Moglushi and Jono Bergman and Benji Bergman, who have come together to tell this amazing story about young Jews during World War II who served as the camp guards for Nazis that were brought over from America to help the United States in various scientific endeavors, including uh, the creation of the atom bomb and many, many other things. So it's a wonderful short documentary. It will be available on Netflix. Um, It's told in a hybrid of real-life interviews, audio, and animation.
0: Wow quite a mix. Okay. Not your usual topics, but I guess there really is no one usual topic that you delve into. Right. So we're in the era of these short limited series, these 10 episodes to tell a story. It's something that you certainly have it. Yes. It's something that you also, you know, you also have many shows that get told over several seasons. But what's your thought on this model that I feel like has just exploded in the last couple of years and that we're all watching all the time, Netflix and Apple TV, you know, wherever you watch your favorite shows? Well,
1: I think it's, it's 10 if you're lucky. I think a lot of shows right now are probably in the six to nine episodes and 10 seems, True. you know, you kind of look. And I find that people are now actually choosing some of the shows comparing a to how long their run is, how many episodes there are. And if there's too many, they're like a little hesitant about committing because
0: there's just so much content
1: out there. Do you not do that? Do you not go in and see how many episodes before you kind of...
0: That's funny. Now I'm thinking about it. I mean, listen, my family, we're watching, uh, you know, what's known in English as Checkout, Kuparashit, which is a comedy that is... As I, if I'm not mistaken, being sold by Yes, right?
1: Yes, I was actually going to say, it's a, it's a con show. They, they, they air it, they produce it. It's produced by July-August Productions. But we actually have picked up the distribution rights because we just love it so much,
0: and it is hilarious. Okay, yeah, just to let everyone know, all the listeners know, it's a hilarious, hysterical show about a... A supermarket a, in the center of Israel that has just a wild cast of characters, many, many well-known Israeli actors and comics, and just the mishaps and funny events that take place in a day at the supermarket. Can i you And by the way, um,
1: scrap everything I just said, that show has 20 episodes a
0: season. <laughs> right, right, exactly. But, but, they're so short.
1: They are. And it's a comedy, yeah. So crisp. It's, it's fast-paced and it's a comedy.
0: Right, in fact, just going back to what you said about what you're watching. If I'm watching a scary show, I then have to follow up with an episode of Kuparashit of Checkout because I just need to laugh a little bit and know that I won't go to bed and feel terrified laying there in the dark.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Jumping off a glass bridge.
0: Exactly. Okay. But going back to this, to the uh, the short limited series, which you are as you obviously point out, you know, it can be six or nine episodes. Sometimes you feel like it's not enough, right? Like you're left wanting more, which I imagine is the creator's plan, right? But how do you see it as someone who's really come from these shows that have gone on for season after season? Like, look, you have your Stiesel fan saying, "Please, Donna, give us more." Um, how do you, how do you look at this whole new model? What's your thought?
1: Well, first of all, I think I think we have to um kind of look at the Israeli market separately from what's happening internationally. And we have different models under which we actually produce and you know, we just don't have enough money to hold people and, and run for a long consecutive seasons. So if you're watching a show in the US, you're used to having a new season out pretty much in the same time the following year. So you're watching You know, barring putting COVID aside, every September you get a fresh season of Grey's Anatomy, you know, year whatever, 17. So um, that's kind of the way production has always worked. And what's been happening in recent years with the rise of the streamers is there's just so much content out there. And there's a consecutive shift of creators and talent from film to television. They don't want to be tied down in an exclusive deal for 17 years and do nothing but television. They want to have that freedom, that creative freedom um, to jump and do other projects, to go, you know, do multiple seasons. And the storytelling is just so good that they're willing to do that in in television. So... It's a combination of just the kind of narrative storytelling that's changing that's being more condensed that kind of condensing the storylines um, and talent that really want to have the option of pick and choose and, and not committing to longer running shows. So that's why you for example, you're getting Nicole Kidman, you know in every other series suddenly, or Meryl, or Meryl Streep, right, Suddenly doing television, she's like popping up, you know, she's doing a TV movie here, she's doing a series there, oh, there she's doing another, and then she does a movie, right? So those things couldn't have happened before when people, when actors were, or, and creators and filmmakers were being signed on for multiple seasons of any one show, and now that's, um, you know, that is possible. And in Israel, it's it's a whole other story because we can't hold talent. And... Um, we can't pay people for the time they're not working. So we have to let every season is kind of a whole production in its own. You know, we finish shooting, we let everyone go, they go off, do other projects. They're always, you can always see them in other series. Um, there's like a big joke there's probably like 20 Israeli actors,
0: and you just see them popping up in every other show. <laughs> It is. It is very true. It is true. But then they feel like family, really. You know? And they
1: do. And then you know, and in between, they have to go off and do some theater, or maybe they're teaching. And then you know, trying to get the gang back together again can take two or three years, where everybody's schedule kind of finally aligns. Um, and that's also true for writers. You know, we can't hold them and just say, "All right, go into immediately write the next season." They kind of have to do their other projects and then come back. So I think the Israeli system in which we're you know talking about Stiesel... It was three seasons over the course of you know almost almost nine years, right? From
0: really nine years. Yeah, wow.
1: from commissioning okay. to, to airing of the last of season three. You know they started working on it in 2011. It aired in 2013, first season, and you know the the third season was 2020. So the tail end of 2020, um, 2021 for those of you listening outside of Israel or you know, watching in English on not on yes, but on other, you know, streamers. Um, So that's a long time to to keep everyone and keep that level of interest. And for people wanting to go back and doing those same roles they committed to, you know, almost a decade ago. So that's always, that's always the trickiness of
0: right, the challenge of that. Right. So then you've, but you've also got a whole bunch of new shows. I just was Looking at the Yes Studios, you know, list of upcoming shows, some that are already running, some that are coming up. This is, of course, of great interest to our U.S. listeners, listeners outside of Israel who are waiting to see what the next Fauda, so to speak, will be, what the next Shtisa will be. Uh, I'm looking at Pushers, Embezzlement, the period piece, The Beauty Queen of Jerusalem, Fire Dance from filmmaker Rama Berstein, Who Died. I mean... Which of these, you know, can I could say to you, Donna, okay, which of these are going to be the next hit outside of Israel? And of course, you're gonna shrug your shoulders and say, Jessica, I don't know. But which of these shows are shows that you that really could in a sense be translated, so to speak? And I don't mean just the language, but have that ability, as you sometimes say, of knowing when you're really going to have that next series hit that next series that's going to make a difference for viewers
1: um you never know like you have a sense of what's going to work and what's not going to work but with distribution and this is what we're talking about we're, we're not necessarily talking about just on what's going to hit with israeli audiences that are here because that's an easy one we we know who we cater to uh we we tend to know you know, who our audience is. And we, we can kind of tell, right? This is, this is great and it's going to resonate. And this is maybe not as great. And, you know, we can do a better job next time. Um, but with the international market, it's, a, it's different because we also rely on partners that are going to pick up and license the show. So I can say, you know, this show is great, but if nobody ends up buying it or at least not having a platform that's wide enough for audiences, you know, listening in in the U.S. or wherever they they might be outside of Israel, that's not going to happen. So it doesn't really matter. Um, But I I think it's already quite remarkable what's been happening to our shows. And if we were having this conversation, you know, five years ago, um, there would be no... FAUDA and there would be no Stiesel to the international audiences. Certainly here there would be, but the distribution and the technology that is supporting these shows and making them accessible wasn't around. So it's kind of hard to say, you know, Stiesel wasn't Stiesel without Netflix. It was a great show here. People loved it. We loved it. It won every award possible, but it wasn't, you know, that little show that could, that people were clamoring, you know, to, to see on previews. It was, it, it that, that really, you know, you have to you can't stress enough how important distribution is.
0: So let me ask it a different way. How much do the new shows build on your previous successes of storytelling that works, of characters? Um of what you experimented with ba- way back when
1: I think first of all, as an industry we 're all kind of relying on each other on what storytelling and, and we're all evolving we're all learning to tell better stories in this market um, you know, we started doing shows that were you know really bad soap operas probably like fifteen years ago, and then in treatment happened right, and then that led its way to a more meditative, uh, more personal kind of storytelling that didn't need to shock or um, or really, you know, wasn't melodramatic, was like serbial and smart, and that led to an entire trend of a certain type of storytelling. Certainly Fauda has done that and opened doors for things like Tehran that came after Maniac or other shows that had, you know, action elements and kind of broken heroes. So it's all part of a, a bigger... Kind of storytelling uh, nation that we're going through. So it's it we're always building. It's kind of like you know, Picasso couldn't paint women that were just if he didn't know how to paint women, right? He couldn't have painted squares, <laughs> you right. know, at squares and rectangles and have that um, look like a woman if he didn't actually go through you know the traditional method of you know learning art and learning how to paint and learning from the masters and i'm not saying what we're doing is anywhere near you know the work of picasso but it but it's it's like every we get it yeah it's like every industry you have to know where you've come from in order to kind of figure out where you want to go
0: Shalom, dear listeners. This is Daniil Hartman.
1: And I'm Yossi
0: Klein-Halevi. Together we host the podcast For Heaven's Sake from the Shalom Hartman Institute. These have been some of the most challenging days for me personally, for Israel, and for the Jewish people. And one of the ways in which I've gotten through this is that I've found solace and meaning through discussions with my dear friend and study partner, Daniil Hartman. And I hope that the Times of Israel listeners will join us as we continue to tackle the pressing questions facing the Jewish people here at For Heaven's Sake, which has become the number one Judaism podcast. Well, Daniel, I'd also like to recommend the Identity Crisis podcast hosted by our colleague and friend Yehuda Kurtzer. It's a series of fantastic conversations with leading figures in Jewish life, thought, and culture. You know, for decades the Hartman Institute has been a preeminent destination for Jewish ideas and learning. Now you can access Hartman ideas on these chart-topping podcasts at shalomhartman.org forward slash podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. We're we'll privileged to help guide you through these challenging and even unsettling times. You know, Donna, let's turn away for a second and talk a little bit about you, Uh, a little bit about where you came from, Uh, what you were doing before you came to Yes, to Yes, before there was Yes Studios. Uh, I actually discovered that you were a reporter, which was not something that I that I knew about. Uh, Could you tell us a little bit about those earlier years and what brought you really what brought you to TV? What was the journey in a sense that you took?
1: Well, it was radio. So radio brought me to TV. (laughs) Uh, I started my career very young. When I was 18, I was a, a news producer and a news editor at Kibbutzah, the Israeli Army Radio. And at a very young age, you're kind of thrust into a system with a lot of responsibility. And you leave the army after, in my case, three years. Um, you know, with essentially almost um, a profession <laughs> in hand. Right. And uh, from then, I kind of segued. And, and I this is going to date me in the worst way. But uh, when I <laughs> when I left the army, there was okay. o- there was only <laughs> one channel. There was one television channel in Israel. This is this is pre Channel Two.
0: Oh, uh, okay. I see. I see where you went. Where you were going. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, it's okay. Um,
1: can I? Yeah. So people quickly can do the math. But um, anyway, so I didn't. I couldn't go into IBA, then known as IBA, you know, uh, because my partner at the time was working there. He was a news editor. So that was closed off to me, and thankfully, you know, I spoke English, and um, I had I had some news production experience, and I went into the world, which I know you're familiar with, of foreign correspondents in Israel. So I was a, a news producer at Radio at Reuters uh, Television
0: at Reuters for right.
1: for six and a half years in Jerusalem, based in the Jerusalem bureau. I think you know that life well.
0: I love just a little, just a little,
1: <laughs> and. Um, and yeah, and and actually, yes is really only my second job.
0: If That's you think funny. about it,
1: yeah.
0: But you went to Kellogg, also. You got an MBA somewhere along the way.
1: Yes, I did. I also yes, I also have a BA in, in English Lit, and which I, you know, find invaluable. And then and then having an MBA, um, you know, for a fancy university also helps. It kind of gives you. Um, the confidence, I want to say, and um, also the vocabulary to use in kind of high level business dealings, especially when setting up, you know, Yes Studios, which essentially is like a company within a company. It's a little um, entrepreneurial, definitely startup ish. That really helped me when I wanted to make the business case for um, setting this up as a separate kind of entity but fully funded by Yes. Having You know, that know-how and and knowing how to navigate with um, those kind of terminologies and that kind of outlook really helped in making that case.
0: You mentioned that you had the English, but where is your English from, actually? It's always an interesting question to ask Israelis I want to say from television. Like I really feel... I love that answer. That's my favorite answer. It really is. I've, I've watched a lot of TV.
1: I feel like I learn a lot about the culture through television. And it's always funny when people assume I'm American because I sound like this and I'm, I'm not and my parents aren't American. And I did live in the States for two years when I was in the second and third grade, which we've established was a really long time ago. Um But but I think um, as far as, you know, speaking American culture or knowing how to navigate American culture and and the idioms and the cultural references and the pop culture of it and the slang and all the things that make kind of a a language come to life um, is really through a screen for me. And I always laugh and say when people assume I'm American, I'm like... I've literally never been to a Thanksgiving dinner in my life. The only Thanksgiving dinner I've ever You heard. are
0: invited.
1: It, it, this is the season. So I've only ever seen that, only ever seen it through a screen, you know? But, um, but yeah. Wow. So you, you can't underestimate the importance of this medium to transcend culture and to really, and I think Stiesel is a great example of that, the reverse version of this, and certainly Fauden and some of the other great Israeli shows have done that, in spades for non-Jews and non-Israelis,
0: um, and certainly,
1: you know, right. I feel on the receiving end of that as far as you know, my Americanism of sorts.
0: Right. I mean, what's what's so interesting about what you're saying is, of course, how many people I interview, how many Israelis I interview, sometimes in Hebrew, sometimes in English, who will say to me the same thing: they learn their English through TV now these days through YouTube. Okay, same idea. And on the and the extension of that, I think is something that you sort of just referred to now, and that is. I was going to ask you about just how many writers there are who are new sometimes to to script writing and who end up creating a show. Certainly, this happens a lot in Israel. They create a show that is fantastic. You know, on this I'm thinking about on the spectrum. I'm thinking about Fauda in the very beginning. Um, obviously, there's many others that we could use as an example. And what that says about something that you've spoken about many times, about Israelis, about storytelling, um, about the way it works here in Israel in terms of telling stories and writing for TV, the line that goes through all of those kinds of experiences, the new untested writers who do come up with a great idea for a show, the fact that they can write something that might just be for the Israeli audience, but ends up being very relevant for audiences outside of Israel. Any thoughts about that?
1: Um, Well, I think there's infrastructure here now. I mean, we do have a lot of TV and film schools um, and many opportunities because of the way the regulation here works for storytelling. Money has to be spent on original Hebrew speaking production by all the broadcasters and platforms here. Um, This pertains to the Israeli traditional broadcasters, not to the streamers or the OTT players. So there's been certainly a generation or a generation and a half by now that's grown up knowing that, you know, if they have a story to tell, A, they can go to school and learn how to tell it, and B, there's an outlet there for them to tell it. And, and it's also, you know, we're a little messy so in a good way, in a good way, I will say this. In the yeah, US, yeah. in the U.S., you know, if you're working, and this is true for for most, you know, the European, um, I wouldn't venture to say exactly how Asian markets or other markets work, but European and certainly um, American markets work the same way. You kind of have to earn your way up. So you start by, you know, being an assistant in a room and taking notes and then kind of working your way up as a writer and a staff writer. And, and, and by the time they let you run your own show, you would have gone through... A lot of training um, and, and certainly there's animalities so there's they're always like Lena Dunham or th- there's shows which people kind of go oh wow you know she's this voice of a generation she's come up from nowhere and blah blah blah. but so there's always that happening and certainly more opportunities but there's a very traditional kind of method in which you kind of build your way up into those systems Israel doesn't have any of that we don't have you know teams of writers working on anything we can't pay for big staffs. so if somebody has an idea they just go and pitch it and then if it's a good enough idea, you know, they, they'll they get a show. So that's why there's a lot of first-time writers here um, that have gotten their break.
0: Right. Uh, there are, of course, the failures as well, or the shows that don't make it. I am thinking about a show that is not yours. I am thinking about Hit and Run by the by Fowder creators Avia Sakharov and Leo Raz, which was created for Netflix and was canceled after its first season. I don't know if you're willing to comment on that on what happened there and what it means in the context of TV. I,
1: I would argue that it's not a failure. I, I, uh-huh. I would say, first of all, there's always failure, right and everything whether we do. Otherwise, there'd never be a film that wasn't a blockbuster, and we all know what the duds are, and we you know have you, you always go out and set out to make a show, whether it's a series or a film that's going to break records and it's going to be, you know, the best thing since sliced bread. But, you know, there, there there can't be that many. But to your point, I think Hit and Run is an unbelievable achievement. I think the fact that they got the show made and the amount of business that they brought here and the audience that they gotten, it might not have been the numbers that Netflix was hoping for. But I, I think to get through that process and to make a show that's half in Hebrew, half in English, for a global streamer um, at that level of investment is second to, to a miracle. <laughs> I, would, I would say okay. it's an unbelievable achievement. What they were looking for as far as the numbers that they were looking for versus the investment, I guess was not there in order to justify another season, but to make it on air, I mean, we should all be so lucky.
0: If you have to move to New York... It's just an audition. I probably won't even get the job. There'll be tons of dancers auditioning. Look at it. You're amazing. you something New York? Of course. I love a line that Avi always, uh, who writes for us at the Times-Visual and we've done a few events together, he has this, this line that he'll say, I'm going to get it wrong, but he'll say that a year or maybe even two, he'll say that a season... Of Fauda costs less. It's costs less than one episode of your typical American show. He is absolutely correct. Unbelievable! It's 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 shocking to think of it that way.
1: I would say depending on the show, but it could be less than half.
0: Maybe you know
1: than than an app than an episode of of any American. One episode of an American season is you know probably twice as much as the entire season of Fauda. If that makes
0: sense, right? <laughs> it's a little, yes, no, a little, that does make sense. A little
1: verbal math we just did, but yeah.
0: that does make sense. What are your thoughts about film?
1: I love film, and I'm glad to be back in the cinema. Uh, I missed it so much. I
0: think you actually go to the movie theater. You go, you go to the movies.
1: I absolutely. I absolutely go to movies. I love when it gets dark. I get very excited. I'm always looking forward to seeing something great. I get really annoyed when I don't see something wonderful. Um, but I love everything about the theater-going experience. I think having, you know, now with the whole windowing situation and streamers kind of, uh, or the, the American studios aligning themselves with streamers and releasing films, you um, on, you know, subscription, on s you know, the Netflix, Amazon, right. HBO Max, Disney right. Plus, you know, all those. It's different not the experience. Very different experience. Very, it's just, and you know, I, I see like I love going to the cinema with my kids and, you know, building up to that and having that conversation. And once it's on your phone or wherever you're, you're choosing to watch it, everybody watches it on their own time and that, that whole communal Feeling and festiveness is, is just not there, um, but we'll see. I mean, cinema is also evolving. Evolving, uh, you know, they're, they're bigger films, not so much space for smaller films. But I also think the theatrical experience is going to evolve. I think there's going to be um, a lot more added value. You know, now we are releasing James Bond, and you can have gone and and bought your own specially mixed martini drinks when you were watching. You know, there's 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 going to be a lot more of an experience surrounding movie going, I think than before in order to really justify stepping out of the comfort of your living room. And after, you know, a year and a half of COVID, who doesn't want to step out of the living room? Like, seriously, you should, I'll go.
0: <laughs> yeah. Come on and go see the the real big screen, not the fake, not the one that's in your house. Agreed. Agreed. So, Of course, the question that we all want to know is, what are you going to be doing next? I
1: don't know that everyone wants to know. I don't think it's like that important for everyone.
0: Well, everyone listening to this, we want to know. We want to know what kind of entertainment you're going to be bringing us. We hope that you will. I think being Israeli in this business is a great plus.
1: And I don't necessarily see myself, you know, moving kind of... West and and go living amongst Americans because that kind of cuts off a lot of your viewpoint. You immediately come like obsessed with the American market and what American audiences. And let me tell you a big secret you know, most of the world does not live in the US. Most of people don't speak English. Um, Some of them, you know, don't even follow American culture. They actually look to other markets for their inspiration. So, and, and being in Israel, surprisingly, is a great spot in the world. We can speak, you know, we have clients. We just did a couple of deals in Korea, for example. Um, you know, and we can start the day speaking to them and then moving on and speaking to our clients in India, where we're doing uh, a version of FAUDA, for example. Um, Amazing. In Korea, we're doing... Bollywood? Well, it's not Bollywood. It's it's very. It's not. There, nobody breaks out into song and dance. Uh, it's not melodramatic. It's very action driven. It's very close to the original. It's gorgeous. They are doing a hundred days of filming. That's like crazy. I, Amazing. It, like, it's wow. T- more than twice of what Fauda, a season of Fauda films. So they're really going <laughs> all out on this one. Um, and it looks. You know, I've only seen dailies, and it looks phenomenal. But. Uh, you know, so you can start talking to the Koreans about your honor and moving on to, you know, working with India and doing something like a, a version of FAUDA. And then you kind of move on to the world. You know, there's us. We're doing, we sold our first format to Turkey, for example. Then Europe wakes up and, and we do a ton of productions and co-productions uh, with our friends in, you know, in Germany and France and the UK and Italy, Spain. We're doing something. And then, you know, the U.S. wakes up. And you can talk to New York, and you can talk to Los Angeles, and it all comes in into a day. And you know, if you you're an American, you're trying to speak to India. There's never an hour in the day where you both are up and awake and working for you to even speak. And if you want to, and if you want to travel there, you know, it's like a 22-hour flight. Um, for us, it's nothing, right? We can we can hop east or west, and and we can look at the entire world in a, in a day. So I, I, there, there's a lot of, and we are international, you know, that keeps us agile and it keeps us looking everywhere.
0: And it's... it's hundred percent.
1: And I feel the world is really that with foreign language programming. It's kind of, you know, we're, we're going back to where we started about Squid Games, you know, being in Israel and, and seeing Squid Games for the second time. And I, I still know it's like number one or number two on the... I
0: was going to say, it's number one or number two, right? In Israel right now.
1: In Israel. Not all about, no offense to any of the Americans, I know you certainly are, but, you know, it, it's not, the gospel is not just American. There's a lot of great work
0: coming from everywhere. All kinds of places. Yeah. All right. All right, so now that we know that Squid Games is your show, first of all, <laughs> I am going to, I'm going to give it another chance. I'm going to sort of...
1: Uh, I am also watching Succession, I have to say. Ah, Okay certainly watching that
0: Um, what else have I
1: watched I mean Ted Lasso was my absolute favorite first season first show anytime
0: Ted Lasso who didn't who didn't love Ted Lasso and I don't even what do I know from soccer from football as they call it yeah over there
1: uh, it
0: was a delight it was a delight it was really just
1: you know it was the right show at the right time I, I just want to tell everyone listening I appreciate you
0: I love that line. I taking it to heart. Well, Donna Stern, we appreciate you, and uh, really thank you for being with us, and wishing you just good luck in whatever you are going to be doing next. And uh, we can't wait to hear about it.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: Thanks so much for listening to Times Will Tell from the Times of Israel. And thanks to our producer, Gilad Brownstein. Please subscribe wherever you find your podcast, and check out our daily briefing news show every Sunday through Thursday. Like what you hear? Consider rating us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify to spread the word. Until next week. Shalom.